This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Hi guys, welcome to the episode 40th of our podcast, The SOS Show. And I want to start the conversation by congratulating all of us. So we have been featured by Apple Podcast in their new and noteworthy section. So guys, please help us spread the word and reach more people. You can help us by subscribing to our podcast. You can help us by rating us on Apple as well. And since there are 450 million people suffering from different forms of mental illnesses, Plus, there are 450 million caregivers. So, uh, we intend to reach all of them and tell them that they are not alone in this journey. And they can reach us anytime, anywhere for any form of help. Uh, We are here to listen to them. In this episode, we continue our discussion on OCD. Uh, In the last episode, we had featured a working professional with OCD. In this episode, we have a psychotherapist who is working on treating people with OCD. Uh, Please welcome Sunil Punjabi. Sunil uh, is a media professional who has turned into a mental health professional. And he did that uh, after his wife was diagnosed with OCD 13 years ago. And initially, he got into it to help his wife as a caregiver and a co-therapist. But soon he realized that it was his true calling, his Aikigai, and decided to work towards eliminating the taboo associated with mental disorders. And he also studied to become a cognitive behavioral therapy practitioner and is proficient in exposure and response prevention, which is the gold standard for the treatment of OCD. For the past six years, he has been practicing in Mumbai and has been helping clients all over the world deal with their mental health issues through in-person sessions and telecounseling. You can find him on his website www.unshackle.in. Hi Sunil, welcome to our podcast, The SOS Show. Thank you for uh, taking out time and being part of this conversation. Hi Suchita, thank you for having me over. Uh, Sunil, I believe you were a media professional and then you turned to becoming a mental health professional. And I think I just found this whole story very interesting. Uh, You studied to become a CBT practitioner and you're a proficient in exposure and response prevention when it comes to OCD. But Sunil, before we get into the professional side of mental health of yours, uh, you know, I want to get slightly into the personal space of yours. So, of course, you mentioned that your wife, uh, 13 years back, uh, you found she had OCD. Yes. So, as much as you are comfortable in talking about it, would you like to talk and tell our listeners that what exactly did she go through? Oh, absolutely. I'm absolutely comfortable because this is something that I have discussed with my wife. And uh, she also believes that if it helps people, she's very happy to have her story known. Sure. And it started off with a fear of ants in Mm -hmm. her case Mm -hmm. and though that was when she was pregnant so she was uh, she kept thinking that when she has the baby the ants should not bite the baby Mm -hmm. and that caused great anxiety in her so she started cleaning the house uh, uh, you know every nook and corner every day Mm -hmm. uh, to the point that uh, we were living in a one BHK at that point of time which was like a 550 square feet house Mm -hmm. eventually went up to cleaning the house for about 12 hours in a day, every day. Every mm-hmm. day, she would have that kind of, uh, those kind of uh, compulsions to complete. She mm-hmm. would be bathed four times a day. Uh, the bed sheets would be changed every day. The curtains would be washed every two days. So the house would be absolutely spick and span every moment. 
and uh, she also developed a fear of things that could attract ants like uh, sugar or you know produce like spinach etc because sometimes ants will uh, you know uh, be found in the leaves and so mm-hmm. on and so and everything sweet so mm-hmm. it it was terrible at that point of time um, we saw a lot of psychiatrists i would go with her and i would try and understand what is it that i could do for her and nobody seemed to ha- have a clue about the behavioral aspect of it and we hit upon one uh, gentleman psychiatrist in andheri who talked to us about this exposure and response prevention which is available in nimhans bangalore mm-hmm. so lock stock and barrel we moved to bangalore uh, pulled my son out of his school he was in grade 2 at that point of time took a leave of absence for about 4 months from my office you know long story short it was these these things were difficult to manage but we managed because the larger objective was more important went mm-hmm. to nimhans understood what exposure and response prevention was all about mm-hmm. to a large extent uh, uh, you know she uh, she began to recover because of the therapy and medicines but there were still a lot of problems uh, she was depressed i got depressed as a caregiver mm-hmm. we had fights we almost got divorced but then mm-hmm. we turned the story around so now mm-hmm. as a point of time she's about 80 90% recovered and uh, still on medication still practices therapy but for the most part life is highly functional awesome but um, sunil tell me you said nobody seemed to have a clue and that was like 13 years back yes nobody seemed to have a clue do you mean that people the doctors the psychiatrists did not understand ocd or did not have a clue in terms of medication of it or therapy of it the therapy part of it suchita mm. um you know uh, what really happens is that uh, doctors they do understand ocd but they do not understand the nuances of how therapy needs to be conducted mm. and because that's not what they are trained in right they are trained mm-hmm. to prescribe medication which is mm-hmm. fine so they, are, mm-hmm. they do excellent job of it but mm-hmm. how it that one needs to change thought processes is not something that they are very uh conversant with and uh, so we kept moving from one place to the other in the in the search of a good therapist who would be able to provide some relief to my wife beyond just medication because medication has its own side effects mhm sure so sunil as a caregiver uh, yeah. for your wife i think this is something very important for caregivers as well you know before we talk about your professional aspect of turning into a mental health practitioner as a caregiver uh, did you try a uh, to find out where this where did this come from uh, how does an ocd happen uh, is it genetic is it something else and what did you go through as a caregiver while taking care of your wife so you know where does ocd come from now this like uh, makes me step into the professional side a little because okay. subsequently i have found out that there is no known cause of ocd beyond certain um, you know genetic elements or certain you know uh, neurological uh, malfunctions in the brain so beyond that there is no understanding of why ocd strikes some people or why a particular type of ocd strikes people right because there are mm. various types various themes of ocd so why is it yeah. that my wife got contamination ocd and somebody else gets pedophilia ocd for example those those yeah. kind of known yet right mm-hmm. 
so we i went through a lot of literature i spoke to a lot of people went to psychiatrists did my you know viewed videos videos on youtube did as much research as i could to understand what this is all about mm-hmm. and you know that was really my journey because that was that was at that point of time i was grasping things like a sponge taking in as much information as i could so that we could have a more functional relationship yeah and uh uh yes so that is what you know kind of led me to the quest of studying up to become a, a cognitive behavioral therapy practitioner uh my second question was that as a caregiver to your wife uh, what is it that you personally went through uh, in terms of uh, you know as a husband as a human well we went through a lot of uh, grief at that mm-hmm. point of was it mm-hmm. was not very easy to understand ocd as a disorder yes very easy to understand because you see that you can do certain things but the opposite person is not doing those things so you don't realize that that person cannot do those things you yes. think that the choosing not to do those things mm-hmm. and it creates a lot of angst it creates a lot of resentment yes. anger so one begins to feel that you are doing so much for the other person but the other person is not reciprocating wherein the other person has been trying is or her best and you know to the point of exhaustion to the point of near death but obviously you can't see it because you know come on if i ask her to not wash her hands for 15 minutes how difficult can it be to me right yes, but for, yes. it is extremely extremely difficult to not do that mm-hmm. right so lot of fights because of that because she would she would say i'm trying and i would say i don't think you are and she would uh, uh, you know then she would like kind of give up that if you can't even see my effort what is the point in even making it and what is the point in even uh, trying to uh, beat my anxiety so mm-hmm. you know we went went through a lot of trouble then like i said yes. i would press myself as a caregiver we stayed separately for four months thinking we would get a divorce and uh, but you know for the sake of our son we said let's you know let's let's keep it going for some time but then after that we went for marital counseling and then things turned uh, back to semi normal hmm sure so now uh, as a caregiver do you recommend uh, that caregivers should also go for counseling because it's something very tough on them as well absolutely absolutely and mm-hmm. the first thing to recognize is that the opposite person has a problem so when a person says that he or she has ocd it is important for the caregiver to also go for sessions mm-hmm. which would educate him about what the other person is going through yes in order to be able to understand what is it that that person can do to help or mm-hmm. at least not harm because even if you are not helping even if you are staying away at mm-hmm. least you can't be doing things that would end up demotivating demotivating the other person harming the other person or uh, you know there are certain things which you might even do because you think you are helping but they are actually not really good in ocd like providing reassurance okay uh, hmm. so if somebody says that uh, you know am i doing this right uh do you think some harm will come to me if i do if i don't do this and if the opposite person says no no don't worry no harm will come to you that is offering reassurance and that is actually strengthening the ocd right so education is extremely important for their personal well being counseling is extremely important for the caregiver as well 
absolutely uh, sunil actually because of this podcast has been i have been getting a lot of calls from people i know who have been opening up and telling me and asking me questions and telling me their symptoms that you know they are going through these things like you know hallucinations and stuff like that and they're wondering that do they have an ocd or uh, do they have a schizophrenia is it a borderline kind of a thing um Uh, as a medical practitioner uh, sunil uh, would you like to sort of tell us what are the different kinds of ocds and also what could possibly be the symptoms of it sure so firstly to answer your question about or answer the part about hallucinations yes there are no hallucinations in ocd okay okay hmm. ocd is considered to be an ego dystonic disorder which mm-hmm. means mm-hmm. that we know that what mm-hmm. we are doing is wrong but we are not in a position to control it yes hallucinations are when a person sees something or hears something and thinks that that is real so mm-hmm. he doesn't with them okay sure that is called egocentric disorder so ocd mm-hmm. is ego dystonic disorder for the most part where the person knows that he needs to stop certain things but is unable to stop them okay mm-hmm. in in terms of the ty- different types of ocd or different uh, themes of ocd or different mm-hmm. manifestations of ocd mm-hmm. from a strictly medical or psychological point of view there are no classifications that are um available in textbooks as in there are no real classifications uh, sure. all the classifications that are available are colloquial in nature so to so as to be able to differentiate between different subtypes okay sure for example the word psychopath does not exist in the medical dictionary what uh, exists is antisocial personality disorder right so mm-hmm. a psychopath is something that uh, common people use just to understand what kind of a mentality a person might have right mm mm-hmm. in terms of ocd then uh, the most common type of ocd is contamination ocd which could be about washing which could be about cleanliness which could be about uh, keeping everything clean this could come from uh, regular washing to even things like uh, uh, let's say toilet cleaners or you know any kind of cleaner might also uh, you know one one a person might feel that if he has cleaner on his hands like for example a person might feel that he has heart pick on his hands for example mm. right and constantly keep washing that off uh to to be satisfied that there is no more heartbreak on his hands so so just to interfere your uh, interfere here uh, sunil so do they see the heartbreak in the, on their hands or do they feel it feel it okay they feel it so they sure. they their mind keeps telling them that it is there they mm-hmm. know it is there they can't see it they uh, can't even feel it so they they depend a lot upon their senses okay mm-hmm. so they mm-hmm. will try to visually inspect it they will try to use their fingers to check it okay whether whether it is feeling slippery not feeling slippery mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes what happens is that even if they are uh, like for example in the case of my wife when she would shampoo her hair she would not believe that she shampooed her hair so she mm-hmm. would apply shampoo on her hair and she would ask me do you see shampoo on my hair can i okay. wash it? and uh, uh and back then i didn't know that i was offering her reassurance when i said yes so i would say yes yes i can see shampoo go ahead and wash 
you know yeah so, yeah that is contamination then there is checking ocd where they want to check that they are not uh, doing anything that would harm people so they they check g- gas multiple times they check that the door is locked they check that the wardrobes cupboards etc are locked the car is locked so they need to do it multiple times to be sure that it is actually it it has actually happened symmetry mm. where somebody is uh, talking about where somebody is comfortable only when things are symmetrical in nature or you know there is nothing disorderly about an arrangement so even if you know there are five blue dresses and one red dress in that it will make, make them feel very very uncomfortable and they'll want to remove the red dress just to make sure that uh, there is uniformity mm. okay So Nil, last uh, week we did another episode on OCD, which is going to come before your episode. Uh, and you know, we uh, we were interacting with this boy who frequently had the thoughts of killing himself, and uh, he was classified with whatever the terminology was in terms of thought OCD. Yes. So I just want to understand that can this happen to anyone anytime? Yes, it can mm-hmm. happen even anytime because, like I said, the the physiology of this is not known but it's it's about propensity right so you uh, so some people do have the propensity to develop ocd when i say it can happen to anyone anytime what i mean by that is that uh, uh, there is no age it can start from the age of 2 or it could develop when you are 45 50 also okay oh, okay and there is no gender discrimination there is no economic strata discrimination nothing it's it can just hit any person at any time but you know the, uh, like i said it there has to be a propensity so if there is some evidence of for example mental disorder in the family even if it is like a distant relative or whatever then the propensity becomes a little higher generally it has been observed that people who have very strong opinions about something mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. other people who have ocd have generally have very strong opinions about something yes so, so they might be like extremely religious and they might suddenly get an ocd that they are, what whatever they are doing is a sin against god okay mm-hmm. so, or they might love children like really too much mm-hmm. they might be really very happy in, uh, with children and then suddenly they might get this uh ocd of either harming children or pedophilia having sex with children mm. you know very strongly about these things uh it manifests itself into into a disorder which attacks the very you know thing that they are passionate about okay okay so personal uh, during these times the covid times i was talking to another uh, psychologist who's also in the podcast and she was she mentioned that specifically uh, during these lockdown phases the ocd people with ocd specifically it's it's anxiety increases and it's difficult to uh, you know control them uh, in lot of uh, at lot in lot of times so uh, where should a person reach out you know when they need help see most of the people who have ocd already have or should have counselor stroke psychiatrist that they can approach okay and now in the, even in the middle of the night oh absolutely absolutely yes. okay. this is not mm-hmm. thing that uh, should be restricted to officers only that this yes. i am available from 9 to 5 okay yes yes however however mm-hmm. what also must be borne in mind is that the psychologist should not or the psychiatrist should not mm-hmm. be used as a helpline 
okay mm. because can't be that uh, um, you know you call up the uh, call up the counselor multiple times in a day that i am feeling anxious about this can you help me with this i am feeling anxious about that can you help me with that because mm-hmm. for this part not not really from the counselor's point of view but from the person's point of view he has to learn to handle the anxiety on his own okay but you don't want the counselor or the psychiatrist to become another crutch for him another compulsion for him that without my counselor i cannot survive everything okay. that i do i have to talk to my counselor about that should not be the case so the counselor psychiatrist these people have a responsibility to maintain a fine balance of being available and not uh, having the person become dependent upon them sure tell me about the exp- uh, the exposure and the response prevention which you mentioned is the glo- gold standard for treating ocd which yes. which you which you practice yes so exposure and response prevention is a part of cognitive behavioral therapy yes cognitive behavioral therapy is an umbrella treatment protocol okay which mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that exposure and response prevention is directed specifically for ocd mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now what really i you know i like to liken ocd as an addiction okay although there are differences but just for the sake of clarity i will talk about somebody who's an alcoholic mm-hmm. now an alcoholic if he wants to give up alcohol he requires to very simply put not drink alcohol right mm-hmm. he is told not to drink alcohol is mm-hmm. is going to want it because there will be withdrawal symptoms and his body is going to demand alcohol mm-hmm. so he does not resist and if he says that no no just give me this one drink and after that i will stop drinking then mm-hmm. he defeating the purpose of trying to beat the alcohol uh, alcoholism right yes exposure and response prevention works in a similar fashion mm-hmm. now what happens is that when something which is a trigger for a person with ocd mm. causes anxiety mm. he tends to do certain things about that like uh, perform some compulsions like in the case of my wife hand washing cleaning or like i said checking the gas multiple times or checking the door multiple times to see that if it is locked or not mm. or if you if somebody has religious ocd then they might start praying and uh, apologizing to god that this is not who i am and you know who i am and please don't uh, punish me and things like that right mm-hmm. so what is so these compulsions they reduce the anxiety for the person to some extent mm-hmm. but they strengthen the ocd so in that sense these mm-hmm. compulsions are the alcohol for the alcoholic okay mm mm-hmm. exposure and response prevention means that the person has to learn to stop doing the compulsions okay mm-hmm. but uh, what happens is that if the person is triggered automatically mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. automatically then that person is less prepared for beating the um, you know the urge or the temptation to do the compulsion okay mm-hmm. but you choose to induce the trigger and cause him anxiety at that point of time he is a little more prepared to face the anxiety without doing the compulsion mm-hmm. so that part is exposure you are exposing him to his trigger and not allowing him to do his compulsions okay right this needs to be done in a graded fashion that's that's what the entire thing is about that it needs to be done in a graded fashion and the person needs to understand why he is doing it okay Right. So it 
can't just be thrust upon the person because you will not know if the person is in order to beat the anxiety engaging in some mental compulsions by not doing the physical compulsions so you might see that the physical compulsions are dealt with but the reality would be that there might still be some mental compulsion going on right okay. so how long does this treatment go on for is there a time to it a uh, that's that's first question second i was curious to know in terms of the cost factor for a lot of people for it okay so in t- uh, how how long does it go on really depends upon a lot of factors including hmm. uh, including the severity of the um, you know of the ocd because ocd can be of various severities levels of severity yeah about the insight that the person might have about how well he understands that he needs to give it up okay because some right. things seem so normal that people might not want to give it up like for example somebody might say that you know what is the problem if i wash my hands for 5 minutes why is it why is it wrong okay mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. be satisfied by doing it for 1 minute but why should i why should i not wash it for 5 minutes it's better my hands are cleaner than yours so that means that there is some lack of insight so mm-hmm. you know it depend upon that also but by and large between 12 and 20 sessions right is is something that is required to get the person to a level of understanding where he knows uh, uh, you know what are the things that are wrong with him and he knows what are the things that he needs to work upon and how to work upon them okay right. and within 20 sessions after 20 sessions most people can learn to do this themselves okay OCD is a lifelong disorder right it's like diabetes or hypertension or thyroid right so it doesn't go mm-hmm. away but right. in 20 sessions or 12 to 20 sessions they'll learn how exposure and response prevention works and then they can try to do it themselves at home right okay. and and what about the cost factor the cost factor is it varies okay mm-hmm. now it is expensive okay right and so there are people who miss out on therapy because they can't afford it right the reason some people offer a sliding scale okay mm. a sliding scale is charging a person on the basis of affordability so uh, the treatment is expensive okay and for the better part a lot of people who are in perhaps the rural areas or who are you know who do not have very high paid jobs yes. they cannot afford it mm. and uh, therefore some psychologists offer a sliding scale okay, okay. sliding scale means that you pay as per your affordability so what really happens is that you know psychologists could charge from about 1500 to 2000 to normal people for an hour as in not not normal people everybody is normal but people who can afford it yeah uh, and uh, the people who can't afford it could get treatment for as little as maybe 250 rupees an hour people might offer it free of cost also some psychologists might offer it free of cost also but in my opinion that's not a good idea because it is important that the person who's suffering from ocd be invested in the recovery process and that comes when that person has to sacrifice something that means something to him so even if it is like 50 rupees a session but it has to mean something to him right So if somebody in a smaller town for example or in a small place or a village area you know needs this treatment would you suggest where and who can they approach to they are there any local uh, psychiatrists doctors who practice this or this is something which is very elitist in the only cities 
actually it's not elitist but very few people specialize in erp uh, hmm. so you know one of the reasons why i thought that this was an important thing to get into also hmm. was because that psychiatrist i told you about who told us about bangalore yes. mentioned that there aren't any good erp practitioners in mumbai hmm so surprising because out of 100 two or three people get ocd okay right so you have like 500 friends on facebook 15 of them or 10 of them have ocd mm that's right. a lot number to not uh, uh, you know to not cater to right so like i said it's not elitist but it's not that too many people specialize in this and therefore um it is important that uh, whoever is available makes himself visible so that people can reach out to him this is something that can work extremely well on telephone or skype as well ah have uh, i have clients from all over the world okay from switzerland from armenia from uk us and various parts of india in fact i have very few clients from mumbai city right because it works extremely well okay so a long distance can as well be you know practiced in terms of treating a person uh, with uh, ocd yeah that's that's lovely so nil you said this will never get cured 100% yes so of course i was talking to this boy who was in our earlier episode and he said that he feels fine but his doctors insist uh, his psychiatrist uh, and psychologist insists that he continues with his medication um uh, but uh, his parents insist that you know why can't he just do meditation and uh, get uh, through with it so the role of medicines yeah is so um, look at it from the point of view of a bridge collapsing in the brain okay? right mm. the role of the medicines is to hold up the bridge right medicines hold up the bridge and the therapy repairs it okay right right if the child is not going through therapy and if the child is going only through medication then medication will only do the job of holding it up okay right and that why the doctors are suggesting that continue the medication because if he does not continue the medication the bridge will collapse again and he will revert to his original ocd state okay right right but in what happens in therapy is that because there is a change in cognition that is thinking and there is a change in behavior the person learns a new skill of how to handle the intrusive thought of how to handle the obsession and that is why it becomes easier to get off medication if the person has gone through therapy and understood what is expected of him if he is just going to let go completely then uh, stopping medication is not going to be very good for him right and a lot of people feel that you know after a point or maybe even before that uh, you know if they practice mindfulness and meditation they can uh, totally control their brains and uh, live a good and normal life do you agree with that mindfulness is an absolutely essential trait not only for people with ocd but for every other person right i do believe in the power of mindfulness right but at the same time i also know that mindfulness is most difficult even for people without ocd whose minds mm. keep wandering so to right. 
a person with ocd to have a steady mind and be focused in the present and be non judgmental etc is a stretch okay it can right. be but it takes a while so that if that person has discipline then yes mindfulness helps but if that person does not have the discipline and he says that no mindfulness is not working for me i tried it for 3 days then obviously it will not help but it's like you know going to the gym for 3 days and expecting a six pack and then saying oh jimmy is not working for me because i am not having a six pack <laughs> right that's fantastic sunil thank you so much for your time i think i think it was uh, you know it was a great uh, conversation you gave us some great pointers and I'm, i hope uh, you know our listeners uh, get a lot out of this thank you thank you so much sukita thank you for having me we're looking for more stories of ocd and uh, in case you know someone who would like to share his or her story you know where to find us you know where to connect with us Thank you for listening guys and uh, do not forget to go on Apple podcast and rate us and also subscribe to us. This is your host Suchita signing off.